0: I'm Robin Kenney, host of Try Me, the podcast, and I'm here with Carl Higby, author of Enemies, Foreign and Domestic, A SEAL's Story, and Battle on the Homefront, A Navy SEAL's Mission to Save the American Dream. So Carl, thanks for coming on. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. So I think with those, the titles of your books, I don't really need to introduce you. <laughs> <Kind> <laughs> yeah, of-
1: well, actually, there's a third one now, uh, Crisis of Culture.
0: Crisis of culture. Ooh, yep. bad researcher.
1: Yeah, it's it's fine. It came out uh, about a year ago, and uh, really kind of talks about a lot of what we're what we're fighting against now, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, I'm I'm anxious to see how this thing plays out through 2020, and we'll see see a little bit more about it.
0: Um, it. So yeah, obviously former Navy SEAL. I want to kind of jump right into um, asking you a question about. I think your first book was Enemies, Foreign and Domestic. Correct.
1: Uh, second, that was the second book. That was the so second battle, battle on the home front was, uh, first one, I actually wrote it while I was deployed to Fallujah. Like, I was on deployment and I wrote it over there. Took about two and a half, three years of editing and going back and forth with the Navy before the, I was actually able to publish it, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I heard Fallujah a, not the most fun place to be.
1: Looks a lot like some of the downtown Democratic-controlled cities right now.
0: I, don't, seriously, I never thought we'd get to that point. Um, so in your second book, you talk about being a young SEAL. I just thought something really struck me sort of towards the beginning of the book. Um, one of your instructors came in and announced that a s- several Navy SEALs had died overseas in Afghanistan and several more were missing in action. Mm-hmm. And the way that you described how you felt about it was the thing that struck me. It struck me because you said up to that point, we didn't truly believe that that people actually died i mean you, you look at it and you said in the abstract way the way that most people do
1: right
0: and i think about i, I want to say young kids i like the young kids are so you know disrespectful but people don't get it that people die yeah. for our country and our culture doesn't doesn't honor that anymore and and honor the severity of it and that that's why we're so free so what are your thoughts on that
1: well i mean look, look i was 21 years old when uh I was 20 they just turned 22 when that happened so like i was literally fresh out of training and it was it was weird because we all knew those guys you know we a lot we had a lot of us had met those guys and a lot of us had had, you know kind of been in the block and now we're in this training block which is the final part of seal qualification training called sqt and we're getting ready they're saying like all right guys we're going to war this has happened and um from there it's it became one of these like wow this this shit's real. I mean, I don't know if I can say that on your podcast. but
0: Yeah, you can say, yeah.
1: Okay, <laughs> okay. but I mean, that's, the, that is, that is, that was my intro to war, and I showed up to the team, and, you know, I just finished SEAL training, top of my class, I'm 250-pound dude, who's, you know, state champ wrestler, and I showed up to the team, and I felt about that big, because you yeah. walk in, and there's a mural of the guys who died. Wow. Um, and I walked in there, you were just, couple weeks after it happened. And I mean, it was shocking.
0: That is shocking. Um, I just, I wish that, you know, there were more stories in the news about veterans and about the people that we lose overseas. But I mean, Fox Nation's doing a kind of good job trying to highlight. Yeah, they're getting there. Yeah,
1: they're getting there. The problem is, people, it's not real for people. And like, you have all these jagaloons who run around on the street who say, oh, I'm ready for the Civil War. And you talk about people, on the right or people on the left and all these protesters and stuff like that. It's like, dude, the second you get punched in the face, you're going to realize real fast you're not on the internet anymore.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Real violence. I saw I saw a girl get her foot run over in a parking lot one time and it took me like five days to recover from it. So war is not on my list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what do you think about the protests um, and how they've sort of... Uh, uh, evolved and in some places de-escalated recently
1: yeah you know i think look protesting is is unique i wouldn't say it's uniquely american but it is is something that is embraced in our culture from day one that is why it is the first amendment is because we want people the right to do that Now, uh, that said just because you can protest things doesn't mean you should Um, but you, the first amendment also grants you the right to be a moron. So if you want to stand in the street and condemn cops and defund them and stuff like that, mind you, while having cops guarding your protest, um, Mm -hmm. you know, fine. But I, I, I have a real hard time with just the social acceptance of these protests as being a good thing. They're not a good thing. Their message is terrible. Their message is basically, we hate everything about America and look. There are some protesters in there that are good folks. I've seen them guarding the, uh, like, forming lines between the violent protesters and the police officers. So there are some, but they've been hijacked. And the news media makes it seem like the majority of them are these criminals. And it's not the majority, but it is the loudest faction, faction. And that's the problem. You have a very loud, small group. Is taking credit for burning down cities, tearing down statues, and defunding our police. You know, I saw an interesting picture of couldn't have been more than a 20, 22 year old girl, you know, flicking off a police officer, screaming in his face. And it, it, the caption, the meme was, it's not our police officers who need retraining. And I thought it was a very profound thing because, mm-hmm. you know, all those people that hate the cops, they hate this, they hate this, but the first person they're going to call when it hits the fan is a cop. They're not going to, they're not going to like reach into their, you know, their hemp satchel and pull out a feather pen and, and, you know, write the guy a nice thank you note.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Two thoughts on that. Um, on a serious note, like that's what, that's what we should be encouraging our young people to do is if they have a problem with something, seriously, take out your pen, like start a blog, like have an actual like forum on your campus where you discuss these issues. Like. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: That's the problem you know, for you people like you and I, the solution to speech or ideas we don't agree with is more speech. Because yep. let's debate them. Let's debate the merits of them. And let's walk through the what ifs and the, the how comes and the maybes. And let's walk through how it plays out in real life. But their solution is, I don't like what you're saying. Cancel you. Shut up. Go back in your hole. And you're a conservative, racist, sexist, homophobic, bigot, istophobic phobophobe.
0: Right. And the second thing that reminds me of is you said that they'd be the first people to call the cops if they were in trouble. I've seen like two videos, like people capturing on their phones, like who, um, I think it was like young protesters attacking, throwing things at a guy's car. And he like gets out of the car and like starts to like go after them with like a bat or a golf club or something. And she's like, somebody call the police, somebody call the police. I'm like, you're protesting to defund the police. And it's just so telling that they're, a lot of these kids are babies. They've been babied. And yeah, I mean, that,
1: that's like, there's no reality. You're right. They've totally been babied. No reality. Look, I, mean, I had six kids break into my house when I lived in Virginia. And you know what? I dealt with a situation with the lowest level of force, which, you know, handed out a bunch of free trips to the ER for these kids. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they, they got a really good life lesson on the fact that, hey, at two in the morning in a town that is populated by 80% military, don't break into people's mm-hmm.
0: houses. No, nope, not a good idea. Um, yeah, so I, I just don't think that anarchy is helping anybody. I wish in a lot of cities that the police like, were um, given more power to do something. I think for a long time, go- governors were telling police to stand down and mayors were telling police to stand down or just to you know, hold the line. And so I don't think that that was very helpful. I think that made things worse in the beginning.
1: No, I mean, it made it, it made everything worse. I and mean, the other thing, too, is like, look, if you're a cop making, in New York City, making, what, $46,000 a year is what Ugh. an entry. You know, sometimes less. Like, I think it's actually $39,000 a year. You're strapping in a bulletproof vest for $39,000 a year. I mean, whew, that's, I mean, that's a lot. Like, I've been there. I was a young soldier. That's what we got paid, coming into the military. And yeah. we're at being asked to go overseas and fight people that we have, you know. We have no skin in the game of them. We're being told that hey, they're trying to kill Americans. All right, good. But you have police officers that are throwing their life on the line every single day. They kiss their own family goodbye to go to. Literally, they're the first call when someone is at their worst, when they're in their most terrified state, with the worst case scenario possible, and those cops are being forced to respond to that. And then all these bureaucrats, they turn around and. Second guess, armchair quarterback. These things that these guys have, you know, an eighth of a second to respond to. And I just, when a, when a cop has that scenario, he's going to be like, the hell with this. I'm not going to re- respond. You know, a call goes out on the radio, like, hey, we got a domestic violence in, you know, you know, on A and B Street. They're going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that because they know the last time somebody went in there, they probably got in trouble for you know, manhandling the dude who just smacked around his wife. It's like, wh- why, why would they bother? Rudy Giuliani had it right with a broken windows policy, but now it's, it's going to be a free-for-all. I mean, you've seen murders go up like two,
0: 300%. It's insane. Um, I can't wait for, I mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes things have to get a little worse before they get better, before people wake up and see what a defunded police department looks like.
1: Problem is only until it happens to them. I mean, New York City is basically mm-hmm. turning into Gotham City.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's absurd. I'm so glad I live in the suburbs. I I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but those are the times we live in. So I want to also bring up what Elon Omar said about... I
1: really don't
0: like her. You don't want to hear it?
1: No, I said I really don't like her.
0: Oh, I really don't like her. I thought you said I want to hear it. I'm like, you're no fun. No,
1: no. Um, I know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So she wants to obviously dismantle America's system of oppression, quote unquote. And, you know... Obviously, you and I know her background, but uh, this country has certainly not oppressed her. And a Venezuelan refugee talked, you know, kind of came back at her on the news, and she said, um, "I'm sorry." They said their goal from the beginning with the protest has always been to push a socialist agenda, and they think that profit is bad, but profit is good. And I won't go on about what the Venezuelan refugee said um, against what Elon Omar said, but I mean, if anyone's profited from this country, it's her. So I don't know why she's still out, you know, speaking against how horrible we are.
1: Yeah. Hold on. You were in Somalia under some of the worst case scenario on the planet. America swooped in, brought you in here as a refugee. You then violated our immigration laws and married your brother who came over here as well. Okay. You then ran for Congress and became a sitting U.S. congresswoman. Okay. You went from the poorest of poor in the dirt poor part of Somalia to a U.S. Congresswoman, okay? Talk to me more about oppression in this country, lady. It is, it's, that, it's, that is like a paramount of,
0: It's a beautiful story, and she's ruining it by being ungrateful, because people on both sides, I'm telling you, conservatives would be proud of that story and proud of her. If she just were, you know, to disagree, and she wasn't radically opposed to our values and constantly degrading our country, I would yeah. be like, girlfriend i don't agree with everything you're saying but i respect your story and i'm so happy that you're here and she's right. spitting in the face of that at every turn and it drives me nuts
1: yeah she, i mean she is everything that america is not and but she's taken advantage of everything america has to offer and that's what bothers me about her
0: me too so tell me a little bit more about your uh the latest book
1: well, actually, so it came out before this craziness went into, uh, into effect with, with all these protests and things like that. And look, let's not be foolish here. These, these police, recent police shootings were not the spark that ignited this fire. They were laying in wait and they were just the catalyst at that time that they used to ignite this fire mm-hmm. and sow this rage in society. This has been brewing for a long time. And, and this breaks down to, you know, in the book, I don't use Republican and Democrat because I don't think we can be divided by that anymore. I think it is a conservative or liberal, um, and you know you have different factors. You have know, authoritarian and libertarian things like that. But it really is this: it, it's where do you stand on the political scale of conservative or liberal? Uh, liberal? And and I talk about in the first chapter. I lay out uh, exactly where you stand on what issues if you're on either side, and it's an abstract thing. And I, I give quotes from both sides, from prominent people, and kind of help people gauge where they are. Now, I fall, like, I, I'm, I'm somewhat pro-choice early on.
0: Me too. Um, me too. Yeah,
1: and, you know, but that said, like, I have two kids. So yeah, it would be very difficult, very difficult for me to sit alongside an abortion. I don't know if I could do it. I don't think I could. And I would personally not. Yeah. Um, however, there are circumstances sometimes where people need to make it. so I fall on both sides of those, and then that's okay. And Democrats historically have done a very good job at being the the catch-all. Hey, you don't fit 100% with the Republican Party? Come mm-hmm. on over here, mm-hmm. and they've done a very good job with that, and they've captured the youth with it and things like that. But this book really lays out the systemic problems. I mean, the the subtitle of the book is the political battleground of the new civil war, mm-hmm. and people say you can't put civil war in the title. That's you know that'll it, so. All kinds of disagreement. Well that's what we're in. We're not fighting it with guns right now, at least not in mass, but we are fighting a civil war socially and social culture and things like that. So um, one of the things I discuss is you think things are bad now. When Donald Trump gets reelected, which is likely, it's going to be it's going to be a war. We're going to see people in the streets fighting.
0: Yeah, it's like the first time people were crying, and now people are going to be fighting, and that's, and it's going to be that kind of energy it was in 2016, but it's going to be, we're not going to be laughing, and I, don't I
1: plead, Yeah, I plead with people to, to not go down that route. I'm like, look, guys, please don't go down this route. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have liberal friends, and they're like, well, you know, like, Carl, you're so, you know, you're such a, you know, a, a gun-toting, you know, Republican conservative warfighter. You're so anti-violence. I'm like, yes, I am. And They're like, are you afraid? I'm like, no, I'm not afraid of it. I don't want to have to kill fellow Americans. Like that yeah, is that is like the worst it.
0: case scenario. You've seen real violence. Most of us yeah. haven't, and it's. I also
1: told him, I said, you're you have, you know, you have a small faction of the population who are going to try to wage war on 99% of the gun owners in America. I was like, yeah, I mean, hello. like.
0: I feel pretty confident if things do go bad, but I don't want them to go bad. But right, exactly. Like, of course I want
1: a, a unified country and all this stuff. And, you know, but th- at the end of the day, it's like, yo, okay, you want to ova- invade the suburbs? Keep in mind that most people out here view hunting as a sport.
0: hmm not cool. Yeah. If you start, if they started mean, I mean, look at that couple who had to defend themselves outside of their home. Where was yeah. that? South Carolina or uh, I think it was
1: Kentucky
0: or something. Somewhere was, south. They were the
1: subject of every meme on the internet for like 72 hours.
0: I love them. They're like the new, like Tiger King, like Carol Baskin couple. Yeah. I love it. So, but when you're talking about like your, your pro choice somewhat in the beginning, I, I have this, I have a chip on my shoulder about conservatives who won't. We lose on issues because we won't give. Like it's like far left. We're at a, on a tug of war. We're standing on a beach, and Republicans are on the left, and you know, or actually the leftists are on the left, and we're on the right. And if we just dropped the rope and gave them a little bit, then they would they wouldn't have any argument because this nine month stuff, this you know up to you can have an abortion up to nine months. It's disgusting. Yes. But they're winning because we're we're fighting them on it. We should just say no. All right, fine. You have you have. Row v Wade, we drop the rope, but we when we come back to the fight is when you start to push it, you know.
1: No, what what you, so the the one thing that the left does, which always is it, this, is why they win, especially over over young young voters, is they appeal to emotions. They don't appeal to facts. They're liberals are morons. They don't have facts. They don't have history. They don't have knowledge. They don't have it. Their knowledge is selective, and their 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 polls and quotes are, are cherry picked to, mm-hmm. to see what they like best. So you know, that said, you have, there, there is an issue with um, giving the left some, because we've been doing that, and if you look at even Barack Obama, like, in his time, he was considered pretty far left. Yeah. He's freaking moderate now.
0: I would rather, I know, I'm like, I miss, I am being upset He's, about his positions. Right,
1: exactly, so, like, he, he'd be considered moderate, I mean, the new Democratic Party, and what happens is, Republicans have shifted further and further and further to the left, and yeah. Democrats have shifted. For, so the, the middle, you know, we've been here, and what used to be the middle is where Republicans are now. So I don't want to give them an inch. I don't want to give them anything. Right. I don't want to give them a millimeter. Because I think we need to start pulling it back the other way. But we do have to say, like, hey, look, you know, like, you can have views different from our party platform and still be part of our party. That's, that's the issue. And we need to, you know, the the Ben Shapiros and the the people like that who go out and fight based on facts, like that's, that's great, but you have to, you have to teach people something. If you teach someone something, it's a lot more effective way for them to learn why they're wrong. Because nobody wants to be proved wrong, especially in front of a crowd. They want to figure out that they're wrong on their own. Mm -hmm. And that's how you make headway.
0: Yeah. And I agree with what you're saying in terms of not giving, on some issues, not giving them an inch. like gun control like slippery slope stay away from my guns like just go stay away yeah <laughs> we're not we're not giving an inch, an inch on that um yeah. i just it's it's hard to fight crazy you know and i remember watching the view and thinking like i was it donald trump jr and kimberly yeah, yeah, went yeah, one time and i was like i just i you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go on that show because what do you say to joy Behar? Who's going to, no matter what you say, she's just going to make something up and roll her eyes and scoff yeah. at you and the crowd so, will cheer.
1: You, the way you go on a show like that is you ask, ask a question every time they make a statement. Oh, yeah, Joy? Where did you, where, where's that fact from? Where did you read that? Tell me where you, like, tell me the context. Oh, this is poll? Who was poll? You know, because when they, this is another thing that drives me nuts. Like all these people on MSNBC and CNN, all these other crappy networks, they <laughs> will say, oh, well, the polls say, Well, yeah, if you look at the poll, it's, the poll was done of likely voters from 2014. This is before Donald Trump even got, so guess what? Between 2014 and 2016, you had a whole hell of a lot more Trump voters, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're cherry picking this data. When someone's like, well, the polls say the Trump, yes, okay, so you're polling people in, you know, the five towns that Barack Obama won Mm -hmm. in 2012, and you're not including newly, new Trump voters that have registered and voted for Trump. So, of course, it's going to go to Barack, uh, to uh, to Joe Biden. Yeah. Um.
0: So, who do you think is going to win, first of all? Obvious question.
1: I mean, I, I think Trump is going to win, but, I, you know, it's not going to be in this sweeping, unless something changes from now. Yeah. It's not going to be in the sweeping landslide that we, you know, eight months ago thought was going to happen, or would have happened. Okay. This, this I- COVID kind of, I mean, look, COVID's the best thing, the, the, the worst thing for Biden is for COVID to end and for him to actually have to get out and do a debate. Trump is going to crucify him in a debate. It's not even, it's going to be so one-sided, it would be ridiculous.
0: I can't imagine it happening. I can't even picture it because it would be so bad that I can't picture it. Some people are saying all he has to do is, you know, just keep his talking to a minimum. But I'm like, that's not a debate. Like, what? So, yeah, we'll see how that goes if, if we get to that point. He might back yeah. out of the debates and say he's gonna do something else. I don't know. Oh, yeah, he
1: wants Trump to apologize for something and, and shut up.
0: Shut up, Joe. Um. Yeah. So, are you sad that you de- you didn't get to visit Chaz while it was still a functioning country?
1: Uh, you know, it's one of the things. One of my greatest regrets in life.
0: Mhm. Me too. And what did
1: <sighs> that I tell you, that was one of the dumbest things I think I've ever seen. I, you know, I'm I'm sitting here still thinking. And the best part about it was when they were like, we have some demands. It's like, oh, really? You have demands from your seven-city block area? They were trying to grow gardens. They put a bunch of topsoil Mm -hmm. on top of asphalt and, like, sprinkled some seeds around. And they're like, wow, this is like, you know, they maybe did, like, a 10-by-20-foot area. And they thought they were going to grow – food for everyone. They thought they were just magic beans that you Just
0: like the Founding Fathers. They really are really incredible people. Pioneers. Yeah. So I think right now like because so many young kids are just like crazy and uneducated and I'm starting to think that if the schools aren't going to do it that conservative parents and you know middle of the road parents are the most important people in our country right now because you can't be lazy with teaching kids history and values because it's not going to happen in most schools. Right. Um, and I know parents who are not really political, but they're decent people who are like middle of the road. Maybe they don't love Trump, who mm-hmm. oh, we, you know, he just says too much or, you know, but they're, they're, they're logical people who love this country and they never spent time, you know, teaching their kids about, you know, our freedoms and our rights and uh, how to respect the country and why they should respect the country. And uh, they now have kids like who are college age and graduating who are like pretty radical yeah and I'm and I'm like all right what are you gonna do are you gonna just do something about it now because I think the train you know what I mean like has left the station for some yeah. of these kids
1: well you know I, I'm, I'm 37 so I'm not you know my, my kids are seven and three but I have friends that are older that have kids that are graduating college and things like that mind you there's kids graduating high school now that weren't alive at 9-11 so that's like yeah. That's the whole thing, like, and I, that's with this defund movement. I, I told this kid, I said, "Look, dude, you're advocating to defund the people who ran into the burning buildings at 9/11. Yep. Like, you're an idiot. And yep. he starts saying about injustices and stuff like that. And this is a kid. I took him aside, and his parents were like mortified, because his parents were fairly conservative.
0: Yeah. And I was like, "Look,
1: let me tell you something." So I, st- I give the kid a lecture on his views. And I said, "You're liberal policy. Tell me one time in history liberalism has ever, ever worked. And he couldn't give me an answer. And I asked, I asked him a number of other questions. I said, you know, he's an anti-gun. Who do you call mm-hmm. when your life is in danger? Somebody with a gun. You know, Well, and, and, you know, and he had an argument for everything, but as I asked him more and more questions, you could see the wheels started to turn. He was like, holy shit, my entire philosophy doesn't actually make any sense.
0: Yeah, and a moment.
1: Did I change him in 30 minutes? Maybe a little bit, but, you know, I got them thinking. And that's what we need to do. You have all these people, these freaking Ivy League educations that are morons. My wife went to Yale, mm-hmm. okay? She hates what Yale has become. My wife's conservative. She thinks it's ridiculous with this cancel culture and all this other crap that they have going on there. But
0: yeah. at the end of the day,
1: you know, there's a huge difference. You know, I get I get made fun of by people like this. Oh, I have a Harvard education. Great. That's fine. There's a difference between educated and intelligent, and it has become increasingly clearer where those lines are drawn.
0: Absolutely. There are a lot of people leaving Ivy League schools that have these weird views that aren't based in facts at all. Um, And they are canceling any professor and firing any professor who dares to not, like, fall in line, you know, with the left. Um, So we were probably... The
1: chickens running the, the, you know, the fox running the hen house.
0: Yeah, we were probably both in high school. I was in high school when 9-11 happened. Where, were you in high school too? Were you a senior? Uh, yeah, I was
1: a senior in high school.
0: Because I was a junior. I still have like the slip that they gave us at school because they didn't, didn't want to tell us what happened. So they yeah. just sent us home with this letter. But our, my friends were friends with this like crazy janitor who like smoked behind the building. And they he right. told he had like a, a radio. And he told some of our friends. Um, yeah, uh, that like the captain of the soccer team came running and he's like, "Hey guys, don't tell anybody, but this is why we're leaving."
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, really amazing. I, I had a lot of friends whose parents died in that because they worked at the city, so and I mean, that's that's why I, dry, I that's why I joined the military is because of because it was. I
0: was going to ask you about that. I was thinking, I'm like, is that why you joined? Because a lot of people—that's a lot of people's story.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's funny because you have a lot of people who got out because of that and in the TV world, you know, I'd go on CNN and stuff like that, and I would debate this guy. I remember this guy, Perry O'Brien, who was a, you know, he was a Hillary surrogate, and we used to go to battle, and he's just a smug SOB, and I, I really yeah. just don't like the guy. But, he, like, one day we were on, I think we were on a show or something, and he was like, you know, hey, brother, we're cut from the same mold. We should be getting along. Like, you should see things my way, and he was using that to try to, and I was like, dude, you're a conscientious objector. You got out because of the war. I got in because of the war. We're not the same.
0: We're not the same.
1: And th- there's a huge fraction like that now. It's like people in society, there's people who understand what tragedy is. And there's people like, and I, I say this all the time. This is like the most rudimentary. Look, I'm a big Brazilian jujitsu guy. I love mixed martial arts. Like that's what I do for fitness. Yeah. And so I always tell people, is like, like getting punched in the face changes someone. It changes your entire outlook. And I'm not advocating to go around punching people in the face. But what I am saying is the world would be better off if everybody knew what it was like to take a punch. And that is these kids Can I today. quote
0: on that? That was a great quote. Yeah.
1: I mean, if these kids today, are, they don't appreciate real life. And that's what that's what I refer to life. You know, Rocky Balboa said it best. He goes, ain't nobody hits harder than life. Yeah. But right now, these kids are not getting hit by life. They're being sheltered in a little bubble-wrapped cocoon of, you know, social justice.
0: Yes, so speaking of bubble-wrapped cocoons, I've heard some people say, you know, on Fox, hosts, whatever, that they, a lot of them are saying they don't want the issue of masks to be political. And I'm like, too late. It is, we, we've crossed that line. So, but I'm not saying it always has to be political. Um, yeah. because for the first, it's the first time in my lifetime, anyway, the, the government has told us for a prolonged period of time that we need to do something with our bodies. Right. And my body, my choice, right? For, well, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> the first time, unless you're killing babies. What? Um, made edit that out. Um, so the first time was a seatbelt, right? And my dad still clicks his seatbelt in and then puts it behind him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, old school, won't wear a seatbelt. Um, I wear mine. But the mask thing, I think, it, there are two sides of it. Some of it is political and some of it is, you know, a real health concern. And I, I it seems to me, the truth is nobody knows hundred percent in what situations you should or shouldn't be wearing a mask yeah. and, and how old you are, you know, it doesn't matter. So what are your thoughts on masks?
1: So it's, I think masks are stupid. Um, yeah. and I have people who, you know, have changed their mind when they or their spouse or someone has gotten COVID and like, look, I, I'm not a doctor. Clearly. I don't have, I didn't graduate from regular college. <laughs> so, but here, here's my thing. Like, if social distancing works, why do we need masks? If masks work, why do we need social distancing? If both of those work, why the hell did we shut down the economy? Yeah. Well, we had 80,000 people die of the regular flu in 2018. We have what is being revised and realistically more like 40,000 deaths from COVID. Okay. This is, it's like when the flu came back from the war. Like, Hundreds of thousands of people died because it was a new disease. Just like when the, you know Christopher Columbus and the, you know the the everybody from Europe started coming to America. Smallpox, you had know, all these different diseases that had never been experienced by this by this you know culture of people living here. Of course, it's going to be more deadly. Did we shut? Did we shut down the economy for for other diseases like H one N one and things? No, we didn't. This is this shut the, and like, don't get me started on Dr. Fauci, that guy's an idiot, he's been wrong about everything, I mean, sure, I, I think that's
0: anything that important anyway, you know, you never no. said anything specifically that I remember that was like, oh wow, what a turnaround, what a, no, you know, what
1: that guy's is. been on the wrong side of a lot of issues, and I'm not even going to go into like, the, the theories behind him, and his history with China, and things like that, but
0: yeah, he's, I don't
1: think he's a friend, and you know, right. the thing is, it's like, look, if I don't want to worry, about, like, I always tell people, look, be courteous, be safe and don't be stupid and things like that. But look, I go to the gym. I don't wash my hands. And then I go eat a bacon, egg, and cheese. And I have an immune system like a rock. I haven't gotten sick in 10 years. Okay. Yeah. I take that back. I got sick last year, right after I got the flu shot. I felt horrible for a while. I've heard um, that. Yeah. So I just don't get that. And everyone says, well, that's not true. I got a flu shot 10 years ago. I got sick for a month right after. I got a flu shot last year. I got sick for a month right after. So that was my control. I'm not. The, the, yeah. the thing is, is the government does not know. This is the same government that runs the DMV. Okay. <laughs> we have people that are incapable of making legitimate decisions based on real life. If you're, this is the other thing too. All these government officials. Oh, we got to shut down the economy. We got to hold it shut down. They're still getting a paycheck. If you want to shut down the government. You stop getting your paycheck turned.
0: Yeah. I would like to see some kind of treaty uh, worked on with China for future um, health scares or health crises that, you know, we do.
1: Well,
0: we we need it in writing so that we can do something if they don't, but that we demand that you let other people come in and help you and experts from other places.
1: Well, we it, it's a sovereign place. nation, though. well let's be honest if china was like hey we think you guys might be doing something fishy here with you know pick an issue we'd like to inspect it we'd be like i'm saying
0: yeah i don't know i think if i think it would work well with for for trump to focus a little more on holding like i I, he kind of dropped the issue of holding china accountable recently um but you know maybe that's because there's a lot
1: going on behind the scenes though i can assure you
0: That's what drives me crazy when people say, like, oh, I can't believe Trump did this or said that. And I'm like, don't you think if he's going to go out on a limb and say what he just said about some general that he knows a little bit more than you and that the White House, you know, has, that he's been briefed on things maybe you don't know about yet. The guy
1: is privy to all the information. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All. On everything.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So what about aliens? I have to end with aliens. What do you think about all of these, t- like everybody's all thinking that the government's slowly starting to release evidence of UFOs?
1: I mean, I don't really, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, we're a ball of rock spinning, I don't know, a few thousand miles an hour around a, our only heat source at 93 million miles away and we exist in a vacuum of, of death. <laughs> and somehow a bunch of shit got together after an explosion and made earth uh-huh. okay now and and what's even more ironic is the fact that people are like oh my god half degree change in a hundred years like climate change it's like dude consider the very yeah i
0: know but um, i uphill you know, there
1: but so i i find it hard to believe in the infinitely you know billion trillion millions of other droplets of Shit, like, how did the same droplets that form our planet not form somewhere else? Yeah. Like, the, the 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 odds are there, you know? If you play the lottery enough times, you're going to win. Yeah. And I, I feel like the universe, there has to be something. Now, are they little green men with high technology that can get to us? I don't know. Um, have you ever noticed, also, in movies, all the alien races are physically superior to humans?
0: Yes. Like, that, that's not
1: cool with me, all right?
0: Except <laughs> in, well, Little Green Men may be in cartoons, but except yeah. in, well, especially in Signs um, with Mel Gibson, but then the water, they didn't like the water. So they They're were weak. with their weakness.
1: That's true. This is a bad planet for that.
0: This is a bad planet for that, yeah. yes. They no, are yeah, man. But the
1: thing is, is like, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, it know? wouldn't surprise me either, and I, I love watching, but a lot of this stuff, I like to watch these, like, Kind of crazy conspiracy theories once in a while for a few minutes because i'm like ooh the ooh, the government's kind of l- letting the public like ease into the idea of life on another planet and we're gonna yeah, just, find that stuff that yeah happens
1: just drop before. the bomb man let us know
0: just yeah just let us know i want to know um that
1: comes out and be like yo real quick there's aliens all right
0: i'm out i would love that would make my life i think <laughs> probably i'd be psyched yeah. um okay and just to wrap things up because it's getting um about that time What is your advice to people who are sort of in the middle right now and they, you know, they don't love the Trump administration, but they're also not happy with Joe?
1: Supreme Court, where do you stand on your core issues? Find your three most important issues, whether it be guns, veteran, abortion, First Amendment. Find out where you want to be on that. Do you want more freedom? Republican. Do you want less freedom and the government to tell you what to do? Vote Democrat.
0: Mm. It's a, that's a great point to look at the Supreme Court. Take the take the personalities of the canon.
1: Yeah, we're looking at potentially three appointments. I mean, like Clarence Thomas. If Trump wins, Clarence Thomas could could retire. You mm-hmm. have Ginsburg that is I, I, living on a prayer. Yeah, and you know you're going to have uh, Roberts. I think John Roberts is not going to hang on for another four-year term. Yeah, it's
0: a, it's, a, it's a times it's a time for change good or bad depending on where you stand um all right well thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me all right well we'll talk to you soon maybe we'll come on again work all right thanks carl later bye